In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. Blue Wire. With the first pick in the 2009 NFL Draft, the Detroit Lions select Matthew Stafford. Quarterback. Stafford, step it up. Going left side. Watch Calvin. And so got him. Oh, baby, that was a rocket. And it's picked off. Intercepted by Darius Slade. No one will catch him. Touchdown, Hello and welcome to another episode of the Michael Rothstein Show. I'm your host, Michael Rothstein, and this episode brought to you by Indeed and by Bet Online. Whew! Well, I I can't believe I'm about to say this, in large part because of the way this season has gone and because of how close things have come to really falling apart so so often but the Detroit Lions are still in the hunt for the playoffs yes playoffs we're talking playoffs to quote the old Jim Mora but I mean you can't deny that at this point yes it's still a long shot at four and five after a fall apart come back fall apart come back win over the Washington football team 30-27 to on Sunday, but they are at least still in the conversation, which, I mean, if you had told me that at the end of September, I would have said, no way. If you would have told me that, frankly, six, seven days ago, I would have said, probably not, but this team just keeps hanging around. Now, they don't make it easy. There is no doubt about that. For them to win their first game at Ford Field in 385 days, they chose to blow a 20-point, sorry, 21-point lead in the second half. They <laughs> they they needed every bit of Matt Prater from 59 yards with no time left in order to win the game. They messed around with their man versus zone situation again. They started Odea Boucher at guard. They started DeAndre Swift for the first time. I mean, so much happened in this game. It's kind of, there's a lot to unpack, and we'll do as much as we can here today. But, I mean, let's just start with the bigger picture here, which is at 4-5, and the Lions' next few opponents are Carolina, which is under 500, and it's not quite sure what's going to happen with Teddy Bridgewater, who got hurt on Sunday. On Thanksgiving, they play a bad Houston team. Now, don't get me wrong. The Lions aren't exactly good here, but Houston is bad. They are. Now, Deshaun Watson could go nuts, but they're bad. And then they go to Chicago, and the Bears, they're struggling. I mean, they're they're falling off. Their offense really seems to be nowhere near 
what it was. Uh, they've lost three in a row. Could end up being four in a row by the end of tonight if they lose to Minnesota. And all of a sudden, the Lions are kind of just hanging around and they're in this. And listen, they don't make it easy. If you told me even at like 3.30 today that we would be having this conversation after Washington tied the game with, you know, 6.09 left at 24 and then the Lions kick a field goal and then Washington ties it with a field goal with 16 seconds left. I, I don't know. I mean, all the momentum is with Washington at that point. The Lions defense, which was really good in the first half, and the second half went touchdown allowed, touchdown allowed, touchdown allowed, field goal allowed. They gave up points on every Washington drive in the second half. And we'll get a little bit into why here after the break. But it's just kind of what is with this team. And I will say this about them. For for all of their warts, for all of their miscues, for all of Matt Patricia's weird mismanagement, for all of their collapses, and for all of the things that we know that they are, they are also this. And I give them a lot of credit for this. They are not quitting on Matt Patricia. They are still fighting. They are still playing hard. Now, the defense looked completely exhausted by the end, and that's something that in the postgame Matt Patricia said that he realized could happen because Washington just controlled the ball so much because Detroit was having quick possessions and quick scoring drives. I mean, you look at it in the first quarter, they their drives were minute 52 seconds, 2 minutes 56 seconds, 207, 128, 106. And, I mean, that's just, that's not a lot of time. Your defense is on the field a ton. And that was a big, big problem. The Lions did a much better job in the second half, particularly early in the third quarter, which I thought was really key to, it was a touchdown, but seven-minute, two-second drive gave their defense a little bit more of a breather. Super helpful. But Matt Patricia said he realized that, yeah, the defense could be in trouble toward the end of the game, and they were. But it went more than that. They changed things up defensively, schematically, which problematic. And, yeah, I mean, you got to wonder what Matt Patricia is doing a little bit in game there. Also, some of their offensive play calls got a bit more conservative when Washington was really struggling to stop them in the first half. First half drives, touchdown, punt, touchdown, punt, field goal. And then they score on that first drive of the second half. And then they go three and out, three and out after that, relying heavily on the run, which just, I mean, that's the the theme of the Lions when they're up is they just go into a shell of themselves. So the similar problems, the same issues that continue to plague Detroit showed up in this game. It was like a microcosm of their entire season, except they didn't lose the game. They won. And, I mean, I, I still can't go over it. I mean, I turned to another press member probably in the, I don't know, maybe toward the end of the third quarter, maybe beginning of the fourth quarter. And I was just like, they might lose this game. And they were up at that point. I think it was 21-10 or 24-10 at that point. That I, it was when they were up 24-10 because we had seen this before. Now, they didn't do that. They did what they needed to do. They relied on Matt Prater at the end. 59-yard field goal that might have been good from like 65 or 66. 
but by that much is why we're talking about a win today and talking about possible playoffs versus a loss, another collapse, and who knows what when it comes to Matt Patricia's tenure with the Lions. We'll be back right after this with more from the Lions' 30-27 win over Washington right here on the Michael Robinson Show. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over, much to the happiness of probably everybody. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. That's right, no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new New way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. visiting Indeed each month, according to Comscore, total visits. So it's clear Indeed can help you get the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Faster than even Matt Prater's 59-yard field goal went through the uprights. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. And football, as we have seen, is very much back in full swing. And you might not be at a game this year. Only 500 or so people can be in Lions games over the last couple of home games. But you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use that promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Now, back to our show. Welcome back to the show, and yeah, I it's been a couple hours since the game ended, actually about probably four or so when we're recording this, and I still am mystified by exactly what happened. Uh, I really, really am, and I want to get into first how the collapse kind of occurred, and we can get into everything else later, but I dug into ESPN stats and info a little bit, as always, if you follow me on Twitter, you know that I've been charting man versus zone all year and, and what kind of happens with the Lions when they play man versus when they play zone. 
and some interesting numbers which frankly jive with so much of what we've seen numbers wise from the Lions this year and it stuck with the trend even though the Lions in many ways kind of had no business winning this game with how they lost their second half lead but 50-50 man versus zone distribution Alex Smith completed 46.2% of his passes against man, completed 89.7% of his passes against zone. So we, we know what that was, I and mean, that's not necessarily a big surprise. But here is where it gets interesting. And it, if you followed again at all, you know this, which is Anytime the Lions have played more than 60% man in a game this season, they have lost. Anytime they have played under 60% man in a game this season, they have won. So that continues today. And that continues this week. That that still happened. But here's where it gets more interesting. And it frankly, it just tells you that this team is just not a great man defense team. As much as Matt Patricia wants to play man to man defense as much as that's like a staple of what he really loves and, and what he relies on he just needs to it's just not good because when they go to man it, it more man it fails because here's what happened in the first half first half the lions played man 30.4 percent of the time they played zone 69.6 percent of the time yes alex smith completed 87.5 percent of his passes against zone without a doubt but that was part of the Lions' strategy, right? Play zone. Don't let them beat you deep. Sit there and just basically tackle. Just tackle well, and you'll be effective. And, yes, it led to long possessions, and that's maybe part of why Matt Patricia switched back to man in the second half. But when you look at it, yes, long drives, but they were effective. Punt, field goal, punt, missed field goal, fumble. And then the last drive is the end of the half. They just took a kneel down. But they were forcing punts. They were keeping them out of the end zone. They were doing what they needed to do. Bend but don't break. It's not the best defensive strategy in the world, but it is a defensive strategy and one that many teams employ. So what happens in the second half when the Lions are up 24-3? Well, 62.9% man. 37.1% zone. Alex Smith, 12 of 13 completions against the zone. 10 of 21 completions against man. Alex Smith doesn't throw any touchdowns, but they were open more. There were more opportunities. All of a sudden, Alex Smith is carving through Detroit's defense. They're playing more man. So guess what? Like, I mean, just again, it, it screams, what are you doing? And when you look at the numbers again, in the second halves of games, the Lions have played in their wins 52.6% man in the second half against Arizona, 29.6% man in the second half against Jacksonville, 52.6% man in the second half against Atlanta, and then 62.9% here in the second half against Washington. And it's the highest percentage of man they've played in the second half since the bye, and yeah, that's just basically what happened. And you saw the results on the field. The Lions started to get shredded, and it was an adjustment the Lions made. Now, I'm not sure if it was an, an, in an adjustment to what 
Washington was doing, but it's an adjustment the Lions made that did not work because what they have been doing had been successful. Why they did it, I don't know. I'm going to ask Matt Patricia about this on Monday, but that those are just the numbers, and it's striking, just striking how how that goes, and I, I still don't quite understand it, but it's one of Matt Patricia's defensive kind of what he does. And I feel like him and Corey Undling combined, they've been learning, they've been evolving, they've largely been smarter when they've played less man and they've been more diverse. All of that is true. And they, you know, played 50%, 50-50, but they were so much more effective as a defense when they played zone in the first half. Defensively, we want to focus on a couple of players specifically. I thought Jamie Collins had an outstanding game, like an absolute outstanding game on Sunday. 13 tackles, two forced fumbles, a fumble recovery. He didn't get listed for any quarterback hits, but it felt like he got some pressure. All in all, this is like good Jamie Collins, right? Like this is the Jamie Collins that the Lions wanted, that the Lions signed to be really the the linebacker hub of their defense, and he played incredibly well on Sunday. I think it might have been his best game in Detroit. I was really impressed by what he did. And I'll be curious to see what the snap counts are with him as well. Romeo Aquara continuing to have a great season. At this point, Romeo Aquara is going to get paid this offseason. Now, yeah, obviously we know that you know salary caps might be different and that could hurt him a little bit, but pass rushers are valuable. And the Lions, frankly, have to make are going to have to make a decision how much they might be willing to pay to keep Romeo Aquara. Now, we'll see if it ends up being the same coaching staff, different coaching staff, same GM, different GM, all of that. And that will definitely play a role. But at this point, you need Romeo Aquara to stick around because Romeo Aquara has found something. He works really well in this defense. He's a high effort, high energy player. His sack today was a really good one. He... Just He won the rep. Four tackles today. He did have the sack. He had a tackle for loss. He had a quarterback hit. He is active. He's just there every single week. He is Detroit's most consistent defensive lineman. He might be their most consistent defensive player. And this is coming after a 2019 where, you know, it didn't go well, where that 2018 season maybe looked like uh, an aberration. But, but Romeo Aquara is showing that no – He's a player, and frankly, I think he can only get better because you have to remember, too, Romeo Aquara has been in the league for a while, and obviously he had his stint with the Giants, but Romeo Aquara is still young. I mean, he's 25. He turns 26 next June. Never mind that he's also maybe their most interesting player on their team, period, and I I wrote about him. I spent a lot of time with him last year in, in Brooklyn, uh, at a firehouse for a photography project. Romeo Aquara is just an interesting dude, and what you're seeing out of him, I think he's maturing into his role, and he's maturing into a really valuable defensive end and a really valuable pass rusher. He can get a little better against the run, just a little better against the run, 
he could end up take, becoming a very, very good NFL, a very, very good NFL defensive end, all around defensive end. Because right now, as a pass rusher, he is pretty darn good. Last guy I want to highlight here is Everson Griffin. So Everson Griffin, you know, didn't play well last week in his debut against Minnesota. There was a lot of hype surrounding that. Everson Griffin today, five, count it, five quarterback hits. Gets a sack, three tackles, but the five quarterback hits. When was the last time you saw a Lions player get five quarterback hits like that and and be that active? What Ansa maybe Sue maybe? I'd have to go back and really look in the look in the numbers and look in the stats to see when the Lions have had something like that because it's not something that's happened under Matt Patricia when they've gotten no pressure. So maybe you're. And I, I couldn't tell you exactly when that was. I'd be really curious to see some of those numbers to see when it might have been because, I mean, that's just some really, really impressive stuff from Everson Griffin. I mean, that's just aggressive, aggressive, aggressive football. And the Lions need that. They need that out of their defensive line. Sure, they were, they were aided a little bit by... Alex Smith not being the most fleet of foot, although I thought he moved better than I anticipated he would. But really good effort from Everson Griffin. So that combination of Everson Griffin and Romeo Aquara looks like a good defensive end pairing. And you have to figure, too, when Trey Flowers comes back, that's going to only help Trey Flowers because at this point you can't double Trey Flowers on passing downs because you'll either have Griffin or Aquara in there or maybe – who knows? Maybe even both. That That's going to be really, really interesting. So though, defensively, I thought those are really the three players that really, really stood out for me and, and had good days. One other thing I do want to note, how they managed Owarie uh, and, uh, and, and Okuda. They looked like they basically traded them off by series. I'll admit that kind of during the comeback, I – didn't quite catch who was in on each possession because I ended up right. I was writing at that point, so I kind of lost track a little bit. But in the first half, they literally went series by series. Awarie one series, Okuda the next series, back and forth and back and forth. And again, at least in the first half, I thought it really worked for them. Offensively, DeAndre Swift is obviously the place to start here. He played exceptionally well, I thought, first game as a starter. And the Lions have no reason to go back to what they were doing before. He needs to be the starter going forward. He needs to get the majority of carries going forward, the majority of snaps going forward. He was already getting that largely over the last couple of weeks anyway as the Lions kind of gave Peterson and Carrion Johnson a little bit less work. Peterson more so as Carrion Johnson seemed to just kind of still have his role. But from this point forward, DeAndre Swift has to be their lead back. The offense is more explosive when he is in the game, the offense is more versatile when he is in the game and is more unpredictable when he is in the game. 16 carries for 81 yards, 5.1 yards per carry. Five catches, caught all five of his targets, 68 yards and a touchdown, including where he, this is where you really see how DeAndre Swift can mismatch. He ended up on a linebacker, completely ran a route that the linebacker had no shot on, scored a 15-yard touchdown. And... Really good effort there. He fights for extra yards. I really liked what I saw out of DeAndre Swift. And to me, I wrote about it uh, in a story that's coming out later today. DeAndre Swift, to me, 
looks like the most versatile back the Lions have had since they had Reggie Bush and uh, Dwight Bell together. And if you remember, both those guys were really versatile kind of combo, like pass catcher, rushers. Now, obviously, I think Joyke Bell was a bit more of a between-the-tackles rusher, but he would also catch the ball out of the backfield. Reggie Bush was more of an outside guy. DeAndre Swift can do both of those things. So he's almost, in some ways, like a combination of both of those guys. And that was the last time the Lions had a good running game back in 2013. And I mean, to an extent, even though they didn't really run the ball super well in 2014. So... That's what DeAndre Swift reminds me of. And I think that that really gives them a pretty good shot here when it comes to what's going on on offense. I thought Marvin Jones had a really strong game. 10 targets, 8 catches, 96 yards, 1 touchdown. He really stepped up. With Kenny Galladay being out and Jamal Agnew being out, I thought he was very valuable for the Lions. He was a guy that could move the chains. He obviously had... The big catch on the last drive, the game-winning drive, with 16 seconds left. He caught the ball. He had the the wherewithal to make sure he got down, not fight for extra yards so they can get set, so they could get Matt Prater to even have a shot at kicking the 59-yard field goal that he made. Thought he had an excellent, excellent game. I thought maybe it was his best game of the season. I thought it was one of his most productive games of the season. And it's a game that they just needed to have happen for him because he had to start getting going. That's just the reality of it for him. Matthew Stafford thought he played pretty darn well today. No massive mistakes. No, oh man, that could have been picked. He did have the weird shovel pass that could have been disastrous because it was in the area of a couple of Washington defenders. But 24-33, 276, three touchdowns, took one sack late. The offensive line largely held up okay. All in all, a good day for Matthew Stafford. You have to be happy if you're the Lions and what you got out of him. Adrian Peterson, as we talked about with DeAndre Swift, much less work. Four carries for 21 yards. He did have one catch for one yard. 5.3 yards per carry. You'll take that if you're the Lions, but that's the thing. If that's going to be Peterson's role, if he's going to be the, the spell back now, right, and get between four and six carries a game, that to me is is where you can use him. And maybe if he can get... 30, 40 yards a game, that's okay. And maybe if you're up big late, like I'm talking about like if they had held their lead and not flitted it away, if they had held it and they're up, you know, 24-10 midway through the fourth or, you know, 24-3 midway through the fourth, you give them the ball and, and you really tell the offensive line block and and really take advantage and kind of take it to them and run blocking that's maybe where you use Adrian Peterson. But you maybe want to use DeAndre Swift there too. I I don't know. I mean, DeAndre Swift is just such a good all-around back right now. A couple other players I want to talk about in not the most positive way. Danny Amendola, three catches, 10 yards. He did get hurt. And this is going to be really interesting because the Lions obviously really love Danny Amendola, meaning the coaches. Matt, Matt Patricia loves him. Matthew Stafford does trust him. He did leave the game with a hip injury. He did go right to the locker room, did not return. We'll see what all of that means down the road. But to me, this is an area where maybe it's time for Danny Amendola to get less work and it's time for you to work in Quintez Cephas more in the slot or work in Jamal Agnew whenever he gets healthy 
in the slot uh, because they both offer a little bit more. Uh, probably Agnew more than Cephas because Cephas had a bad drop today. He, he hasn't looked great lately. But Agnew, to me, offers that speed component over the middle. He's not afraid to go over the middle that I think really, really can work for the Detroit Lions if they find a way to really use him. And, and that's something that they're missing over the middle because they don't have that speed option. Yes, they do when Marvin Hall is in the game, but Marvin Hall, whether it's a function of how they're using him or just a function of realistically that this is just what he is and it's just not going to grow, he's not running that full route tree he, that he looked like he was able to do in camp, frankly. He looked like he had really grown in camp and made – good plays and right now once again he's kind of just <sighs> I mean he'll go into him deep and it worked for a 55 yard touchdown largely sold by Matthew Stafford's pump fake which was a gorgeous pump fake that froze Kendall Fuller tied him up and Marvin Hall could walk into the end zone even though he got interfered with by Fuller two catches 61 yards obviously one of those was 55 came on 55 yards of it so I don't know if Marvin Hall is your answer in the slot because I don't know if he can really run those short and intermediate routes with the precision that you need but I want to come back to one thing on Danny Amendola because here's here's the interesting stat with Danny Amendola Danny Amendola has not scored a receiving touchdown for the Lions since week one of last season so he had one in his first game with Detroit in 2019 against Arizona when he had seven catches for 104 yards. He has not caught a touchdown pass since. He has had two 100-yard games since, both last season, 102 yards against the Bucks in Week 15 last year, 105 against the Vikings. He's had some good games. Don't get me wrong. He had 77 yards last week, seven for 77 five for 81 against the bears in week one, but he, he's not going to give you much explosion wise at this point. And they're not looking at him in the red zone. I don't even think he's on the field in the red zone all that much. So I don't know. To me, I would want to get maybe more of a speed type guy like Jamal Agnew in there. And that's just the reality of it. By the way, Danny Amendola his last touchdown before that one in 2019 against the Cardinals came the year before when he was with the Dolphins against the Lions, and that was his only touchdown, receiving touchdown in 2018. And he had a couple of touchdowns there in 2017, but he's just not getting in the end zone for you. And he'll move the chains a little bit. He's got some value there, but... At this point, I think there are better options when the Lions are healthy, and I think that they have to really think about that when it comes to Danny Amendola. It's fine to have him in the game in certain situations, but he's he's not going to be a big explosive guy for you at this point. At this point, all he is is a chain mover, and he's not getting a ton of separation for you. So I would at least kick around the idea of playing Jamal Agnew. We've seen already when it comes to, I don't know, DeAndre Swift, what happens when you play the young guy. And to me, whether it's Agnew or Cephas, the young guy might be able to give you just a little bit more. Lastly, we talked about it a little bit at the top. want to talk a bit about Matt Prater. 
I mean, Matt Prater, he had his struggles this year. We've talked about it on the podcast. Not that I thought that the Lions should go away from him or cut him, but you did wonder if they would look at the end of the season and maybe do that because Matt Prater is in a contract year. But Matt Prater, once again, shows why he is just so valuable for Detroit because here are a couple stats through, again, ESPN Stats and Info and Elias. Matt Prater's 59-yard field goal, fourth longest made field goal in NFL history as time expired. Prater, by the way, and this is where he really, really is valuable. 22 of 22 on game tying or go-ahead field goals in the fourth quarter at the two-minute warning or later. 16 of 16 in regulation, 6 of 6 in overtime. For whatever reason, early in games, he misses field goals. We've seen that. We've seen it this year. We've seen it on field goals under 50 yards. But when it comes to clutch, when it comes to needing field goals to tie and win games, and let's be honest, if you're kicking within two minutes left, more than likely it's a tie, extend, or win the game scenario, Matt Prater doesn't miss. He's been that good. And it's not even like a jinx thing at this point, right? Because we talked about it last year. We've talked about it two years ago. This is just Matt Prater at his best. He might be one of the best clutch kickers, like last two minutes of the game kickers in NFL history. He is that good. And he showed it again because a 59-yarder, I don't care if you're at home or on the road, indoors, outdoors, a 59-yarder is hard. And that ball was probably good from 65 or 66. Matt Prater, 250-plus-yard field goals today. Matt Prater's fine. Matt Prater's back to being Matt Prater. He talked after the game a little bit and said, you know, he didn't really think too much about the fact that he was struggling a little bit and just kind of kind of redo one of his quotes. You know, I asked him what this year has been like for him because, again, he's missed a couple. He's struggled a little bit. We've asked for him week after week, and he hasn't, he hasn't been made available. Quote, for me personally, anytime you're not making every field goal, it can be frustrating. But all you can do is do your best and keep trying and figure out what the issues are so they don't repeat. Keep repeating. We've had too many misses this year already, so I'm hoping that today is a start in the right direction. And hopefully we'll come through and make all that I get the opportunities for. So then he was followed up and asked if there's a mental aspect to like the struggles. Because I actually asked Braden Combs about whether they were worried that he maybe had the yips because he was just the last two weeks before Sunday, the balls just were, were being struck poorly. And this way I said, quote, yeah, hopefully, meaning that to success as well. I haven't changed too much. It's just after missing a few and kind of getting back to the basics and figuring out what is going on. And I kind of addressed that and I had a better week of practice and it carried over to the game. So hopefully we'll get on a good rhythm. The snaps and holds have been great all season. So it's been on me not coming through. So I've got to do a better job and hopefully today is a step in the right direction and we'll keep making them all. End quote. Matt Prater looks fine. And that's a big, big key for the Lions here down the stretch if they are going to make something of this season. And we shall see what happens. And it's going to be really interesting to see what happens here the next two weeks. As we talked about at the top of the show, Carolina is under 500. Don't know what their quarterback situation is going to be. Houston's really struggling. Chicago, not great. Green Bay even, I mean, they struggled with Jacksonville today. Uh, so they have their flaws, but the Packers are a really good team. The Lions can win their next three. 
I think that they can legitimately have a conversation of like, okay, at least you're in the position. Now, what does that mean for Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn's future? Who knows? Because we know the mandate that was put down by Sheila Ford Hamp is major improvement and meaningful games in December. And there's a whole lot of wiggle room there. But they're at least having a shot. Now, all of that said, and we'll probably get into this a bit more this week. Matt Patricia still hasn't won two games in a row. More than, sorry, more than two games in a row as a head coach at any time in his tenure. They've won two games in a row three times. Earlier this year against Jacksonville and Atlanta. Last season against the Chargers and Eagles. And then even when there was a bye in between two games in a row in his first season in 2018. That's it. They've never won three games in a row under Matt Patricia. And for them to really still be in it, for them to really have a shot, they're going to need to win at least three in a row, if not more. So it's going to be something to watch. But, hey, we're talking about something different. A really interesting game, an interesting win for the Lions in a game that had a lot of twists and turns. Not really sure totally what to make of it. I'm going to watch the game again more than likely tomorrow morning and try and figure it out a little more. But I will say this about the Detroit Lions, and I don't understand. So I, I feel for fans in some ways because you're I'm paid to do this, and win or lose, I'm writing stories, I'm asking questions, I'm telling stories. Like, y'all sit there, and, and you're, you're on pins and needles, and I have a bunch of friends, obviously, that are Lions fans, and a bunch of you followers who I interact with, and and listeners that I interact with that are Lions fans, and I hear it from you, I can't imagine what that swing of emotions has been like Sunday, this season. It's back and forth and back and forth on, on the yo-yo, and I know we talked about it. Oh, I don't remember. I think it was after week four when we talked about the Ted Lasso stuff with the hope, you know, it's the hope that'll kill you. And, you know, that, that still continually sticks in my head over and over again. Because this team has this history of when you, you think they might be done of just giving you that sliver. I mean, and that's what they're doing with, with kind of how today unfolded and what their schedule looks like the next few weeks. Now, they could go and, and lose at Carolina and, and lose to Houston and, you know, it's back to the same conversation again. But maybe they showed something today. To me, at least, they showed a couple of things. They have a lead back. They have a pretty decent offense that could maybe be even better once Kenny Galladay comes back and maybe once they figure out how to handle the slot. Their defense is very unpredictable. Their special teams is really good, but they have not quit on Matt Patricia. They are clearly playing hard. They are playing like they want to win games. And that's not a bad thing to have. Appreciate all you listening. As always, thank my sponsors, Indeed and Bet Online. Feel free to go drop us a five-star review if you'd be so kind. Subscribe, download, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mike Rothstein. On Facebook at Michael Rothstein Journalist. Don't forget, if you want to ask a question for the mailbag, Drop us a note. More than likely on Twitter, use the hashtag Rothshow or find my post, which asks for questions. And with that, we will chat with you tomorrow.